0: Hello everyone, welcome to the No Limits Waterfile podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Tangle Free Waterfile. You may ask, why is today's show sponsored by Tangle Free Waterfile? Great question. Because Tangle Free is a family-owned and operated waterfowl company offering hundreds of functional field-proven decoys, blinds, gear, and accessories since 1972, that's why you have a limited amount of time to spend hunting. So don't screw around with anything else. You guys know that quality gear makes your hunt more successful, more comfortable and more enjoyable, right? Sure you do. Tangle Free understands this too. So whether you're a seasoned veteran or a newcomer to the sport, Tangle Free is in the business to offer functional products that you can rely on. And that makes your limited amount of time hunting more successful and more enjoyable. Tanglefree's constant innovation to improve products and tradition to offer quality goods and services has earned the loyalty from the most critical of waterfowl hunters just like us. Check them out today at Tanglefree.com. Our guest today is Brian Waite, Sponsorship and Brand Development Director for Retail Arms. We have worked with Brian for a number of years on several different projects, and he is a 100% solid dude. Uh, Today, we talk about hunting in the Chesapeake Bay Area. We talk about Retay Arms, and we talk about the new new line of shotguns that are coming out, which we got to use this year and absolutely love them because they were awesome. We talk about LSU versus Auburn football, and why the heck... If you are an Auburn Tiger, do you say War Eagle? Very, very confused by that. But we talk about that. We talk about boiling crawfish and all kinds of other crazy stuff. So without further ado, give it up for our friend Brian Waite of Retail Arms. What's happening, man? You doing all right? Doing good, man. Doing good. Busy. Glad to stop in. Make time for it. Glad glad to be here. We've got Brian Waite on with... Retay Arms. Good buddy of ours. What's the weather like up there, man? Is it is it ducky or no? Yeah, it's actually cold. It snowed about inch and a half, two inches last
1: night. It's about in the low thirties. It's it's cold. So
0: Too bad we can't go shoot stuff now. Very true. Today would have been a great morning for it. Where do you call home now?
1: I live in Delaware. And our office is out of Maryland, so it's right down maybe 30 minutes from where I live in Delaware.
0: Is that a waterfowl mecca? Oh where yeah, is Delaware. Eastern,
1: nah, Delaware's a pretty big one, but the eastern shore of Maryland is. It's it used yeah. to be considered a waterfowl capital of the world. I mean, it's yeah. it's got every species you can think of here. The only thing you probably wouldn't get here is a speckle belly, but everything else you can pretty much shoot.
0: I was up there a couple of years, well, more than a couple of years ago, like several years ago. Um, and I love that whole Chesapeake Bay area. Like I went to the, the decoy museum. Oh, yeah. That's that super place. cool it's place. Sick. Yeah. A lot of heritage up here. A lot, a lot more than what people think. So. That's what I dig about it, honestly. Yeah. The heritage. Yeah, because you see the way guys used to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, Carrying lumber around? Like yeah. Blocks of blocks of wood for decoys.
1: Oh yeah. I mean they still do it. Well uh there's guys that still use tire rigs. I mean, they'll take a literally an automobile tire, cut it in half, cut a little head out of wood, shove it down a tire, and throw it out in the field, man. Junkyard rig. <laughs> Junkyard it's, rig. That's where it's at. I'm <laughs> telling you, man. Maryland's Maryland's where it's at. It's the hardcore guys are here. That's Tangle
0: Free's new product this year. It's called a junkyard rig. It's a tire, half of a tire, with a duck head sticking out of it. There you go. Like I feel that we have just uncovered something. It's like manna from heaven. Yeah, we just discovered greatness. Which Except you got to hire, you got to haul around tires with you. Yeah, that's a heavy setup. But but I went there, dude, and the way that the old timers used to do it with. I mean, they you couldn't just, there was no max prairie wings. Dude. You had to make whatever it is, that, I mean, from boats to decoys to, dude, I checked out that um, there's like a sculling boat, I guess they called it, with all these guns, like the barrels mounted to the front yep. of it. it. It looks like something that the Germans would have thought of during World War II. Oh, yeah. But there's a lantern on it. And they would just pack anything that they could in those barrels and push out. This is during the days of like market hunters. They would push out into these rafts of canvas backs and redheads and and then just start going to town, like legit firing guns off. Oh yeah, and I'm like man, that was like a real thing.
1: Full blown war, basically, on the water for ducks.
0: Oh man, that was crazy. Now, did you grow up there or
1: no? I um, I was born in Delaware. Um, my father's a pastor, so we traveled for different ministries that he was going to, um, so we, uh, I was born in Delaware, then went to Georgia. Um, after Georgia went to Alabama, spent most of my childhood in Alabama, um, and then made my way back up north. Um, but my wife's family, um, they're from the Maryland area, the Eastern shore and grew up in the area, grew up waterfowl hunting. To be honest, I had never waterfowl hunted till I met them. I was always a big game guy from Alabama, you know, hogs, deer, turkey, right. stuff like that. And they're like, yo, you want to go shoot a duck? And I was like, a what? A duck? Like, literally, I was like, what are we shooting ducks for? Like, I don't get it. They call like, it a duck? Yeah, they're like, just come on out for one time and let's just, you know, I think you'll like it. So sure enough, I went out, my father-in-law,
0: my brother-in-law, my little brother-in-law, and man, I was hooked literally hooked from that day what was it that made you move around so much i mean was your like your old man just get transferred like from church to church or something yeah
1: he just he would he would get called to different ministries and mm-hmm. um they would continue to move and then um my parents eventually just moved back home because my dad was born in delaware was raised in delaware my mom was born in delaware raised in delaware um so they both felt called to come back so they came back and uh, my dad took over to a church here in Delaware. And then I still doing that, yeah, still a pastor that's to awesome. this day. So, yeah, it's uh, he's my hero, man.
0: He's my hero. So, that's that's sweet, dude. Yeah, now, does your did, did your old man hunt at all or never? I uh, so I grew up that's crazy, man, how that skips yeah. generations like that.
1: It is my, I mean, literally nobody that I am aware of has ever hunted in my family.
0: I was in that's the way mine
1: was, yeah, I was in Georgia introduced to. A guy that went to my dad's church and was like, hey, I would like to take your son hunting. My dad was like, All right. he loves outside. He loves being out there. He's like, sure.
0: Now, how old, how old were you when that happened? <sighs> I was probably, let me just
1: think, probably like 10, 11. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really shoot, just went with him. Just sat in a tree, just went and did deer hunting stuff with him, went and sat in the trees doing turkey hunting stuff. Then when I moved to Alabama, um, one of my closest friends who's passed away since then, um, Gary Parrish he dude he was i called him big bubba he's a big old boy big old <laughs> country boy and i they got a him bunch of those in alabama oh yeah man in case I you t- didn't know i told him that i love to hunt and he was like well I'll, I'll start taking you with me and sure enough i mean every time he'd go to deer camp he'd give me a call i'd always go with him um and it's just it's it's always good my dad doesn't really have a longing for it but in the years since you know his big thing is trying to spend time with me and things i love my brother and things that he loves so we at least try to make a point at least once a year while i'll take him out with myself my father-in-law my brother-in-law we will do a little family hunt together but yeah never had it in my family just caught the itch and
0: history since now you've got you said you have a brother i have one brother yes does he does he share Kind of that passion for hunting, or no? Not at all. We're complete opposites. That's even crazier. Yes, I am
1: a country boy through and through, and he is city as they come. So,
0: <laughs> city slicker. Oh yeah. But yeah. So the I mean I get the 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 whole camaraderie camaraderie around deer camp, and you know I understand that, but the one there's there's just something different um and i guess it's maybe the social aspect i want to get your input what was it that yeah you know the the deer hunting and the hog hunting is cool and everything else but like you said once you went one time duck hunting and then what was it like what i think it's
1: it's two things for me one it's being able to work a call and actually work the animal and you see that what you're doing is manipulating what it's doing i mean you're you hit the high ball, the hill sure. call, and you can turn a duck, sit there and hit the little feeding chuckle, watch them when it come down. It's being able to actually manipulate the animal to where it's not like you're just sitting there harvesting it over a pile of corn or something. You right. know, you're actually out there doing it. And then the thing, like you said, camaraderie. I mean, you can go out there with, shoot, anywhere from six to 10, 11, 12 guys. You can, you know, have fun, eat breakfast right there in the blind half the time. Right. You know, it's, you can share life's, you know. You There's none of that on. in
0: the deer stand.
1: No, you can't be cooking right.
0: you can't be frying up scrappling stuff in a deer stand. That's Don't a, be cooking deer steaks in the deer stand. I think it. they Yeah, that kinda of runs them off or something. Yeah.
1: So it's just a camaraderie, man. It's a, the time to get away with your buddies. Everybody kinda it's their time to decompress, vent what's going on in their lives, kinda see what's going on and be yeah. able to hang out with your boys. So
0: You know, from our perspective, like from a ministry standpoint, it's it's kind of a natural fit for what you just said. Um It is, and I didn't come up with this, Heath Whitmore, one of our buddies in Arkansas, said, like I think in season two, or season one, episode two, when you watch it, um, we had a miserable, uh, you know, we went to Arkansas. It's only one of the first seasons that we really were intentional about filming, Mm -hmm. and I'll say this with Brian sitting here right next to me. We had, like, plans of grandeur about what, you know, we want this, and we want that kind of shot and this kind of shot, man, it's going to be a, cause that week before they were, they were slamming them, man. It was early, early season it had gotten really cold and, uh, Heath Whitmore and some guys were just, I mean, smashing pintails and mallards and Gadwall, or gray ducks, what we call them here. And so we got that word and we were like, oh man, this is going to be, we're so awesome, dude, we're, we get there and it's like 65 degrees. <laughs> no wind foggy I'm like oh crap yeah, but sucks. we it was absolutely i can tell you probably probably one of the most necessary things that had to happen to us and i'm glad it happened to us early Yep. because it taught us a couple of things number one whatever is going to happen is going whether you want it to happen or not is going to happen oh, um yeah. and so you can't sit there the week before and script this whole thing i mean at least not our series we not we never wanted to do it like that yep we wanted to we didn't shoot anything we're going to show you we didn't shoot anything that wasn't our mindset going into it um of maybe not. it kind of was but we just um we were going to kind of use this as an exception because we were so sure that we were just going to smash everything and we did not um so one of the things was that is that don't, don't try and script the hunt before you go make the hunt because those two things rarely line up in parallel. Okay. And then the other thing that we really, for us, it was very helpful because we met some guys there that we truly needed to meet at the time that we met them in conjunction with like where Brian and I and some of the other guys that were with us were in our walk at that time. Um, we really, those guys really just kind of mentored us a little bit. Um, and it was really one of the things that Heath said, Heath Whitmore, we in the blind. He said, you know, a lot of things come out in a duck blind when it's slow, like in a guy's life, he'll just start talking about things when it's slow, that will not come out when it's hot and heavy and the action is fast and furious. And we did, we talked about a, a great number of things that we really, I don't think would have talked about had it just been the slaughter fest that you know, we were hoping on. And that's one of God's ways of just saying, "If, if you trust me, I know what you guys need and when you need it and just go have fun and whatever happens, understand that that's what I meant to happen. Yep. So it definitely the social aspect of the, of the sport and the opportunities that it gives us as, as believers to maybe share some things with guys who aren't believers or don't really know what they believe or don't even understand that there's an importance of believing something or not believing something. Uh, it gives you some opportunities to talk about some things that, that they have seen all their lives that they've hunted a lot, things that they see and have kind of taken for granted or not seen the deeper meaning of. Um, yep. And so... But you know what, man? I can go by myself and have an awesome time, too. Like, it's a super, super oh, yeah. social community, you know, activity. But I can go lean up against a tree and bust some wood ducks and have an awesome time. I think it's just because there's always something happening.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: The The probability
1: of killing is way higher. So, makes it a lot easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now, what a lot of people may not know is, give give me your title, uh, because you're with Retay Arms, uh, give me your title, and some of the backstory on how, uh, I, I just want to talk about the firearms a lot, because we started shooting them this year, I love them, uh, but I'd love to know more about how you came to land where you are now. Okay. Because your your background, your background is really one of kind of marketing, right? Correct
1: um so my title with Rite is senior vp and head of brand development um and the way i kind of landed with them is i kind of started a little kind of like what you guys do not really it was somewhat a ministry to kind of help with one of the churches that we were working with and then we kind of like started doing our own thing um we started a little group up here in maryland um and i basically just started networking within the industry through some friends I knew or just reaching out to different companies. And what I didn't know was, not to get super biblical with it, but, like, I always thought, like, the Shore Boys thing was going to be it for me. Like, we're going to start filming. We're going to take pictures. We're going to have a show. Like, we're going to be the next big waterfowl. Oh, no,
0: I didn't know. So that's – I didn't know that. So you were were hooked up with the Shore Boys, which I know a little bit about that group. And you can talk about them. You know, we'll get into that subject because – i find that really interesting i didn't know that you were yep. part of that group still are we still have it it's not we've kind of put it on pause for a minute because of
1: everything i'm doing now with retail um, but yeah that we started shore boys so i started making all the connections within the industry um and then it kept progressing and progressing um and then a good friend of ours and partner for a long time was uh the guys over at gator waiters um, Built a great friendship with those guys uh, Justin and Jason and did really well with them for what we did and they continued to grow and uh, started their hunt side it was doing good and then kinda got approached to come on board with them so went on with Gator Waders we had a great run I um, feel like we we did a lot of stuff while I was there great company great product um, left had some family stuff left we went home back up here to Delaware um, and then you know, just was waiting for the next door to get opened and literally was on Instagram one day and stumbled across these guns, uh, yeah. retail. I was like, huh, never heard of them. Don't have a big following. This is it's a great looking gun. Let me just reach out and oh, literally are
0: beautiful. And not yeah. only the one that I, I mean, like they're, they're, they're a lot of their wood series and that they're just yep. gorgeous. Yep. So they. They actually
1: messaged Shoreboys Boys about, hey, have you guys checked out our guns? You know, we would love to bring you guys on as our pro staff. Um, so we, uh, I messaged them, started looking into their stuff. And then uh, Christian, uh, the owner of Retail USA, I got in contact with him and literally was just like, hey, listen, dude, love what you got going on. Love the product. I just feel like, you know, I have some great background in the industry, got some great friends and connections, I feel like I could come on board with you, and we could do a lot really fast, and literally, here we are
0: today, so, and that was five months ago, six months ago, so. Yeah, and so, exactly, get down to specifically when people see retail on Instagram, or they see commercials, or they see content, or they see what... How much of that is you, what do you, is that all, is that, that falls under your responsibility now? Yep. So basically anything that has to do with
1: the brand as a whole, whether it's influencers, sponsorships, uh, media, marketing, everything is, falls underneath my umbrella.
0: You don't get beat up for sponsorships though, do
1: you? Oh man, no, not at all. (laughs) I haven't even been
0: asked once this past hour. So Yeah, this is fast, like since we've been on in the past. Thirty minutes. And that's because I haven't checked my email. But yeah, it's because I told you to turn your phone off. That's how. That's why I knew your phone was going to blow up. Yeah, it's that's it's crazy.
1: It's but I. It's kind of surreal to sit back and my wife and I laugh about it all the time because it's like I'll get these emails and I'm reading them and I'm like, dude, like six years ago this was me, like right. reaching out to these companies. Hey, would love to blah blah. blah. It's just like. It's kind of cool to kind of sit back and watch, see where God's brought me, and how it's mm-hmm. kind of come full fold. And now I'm in the industry. I got a lot of guys like, "Hey, man, how'd you even end up there? How do you do this?" Blah blah blah. I'm just like, dude, I just right oh, time, cool. right place, and with the right people. So yeah.
0: Now I'm sure you get some emails. I, I mean, the the guys that I talked to, you know, I talked to Nick at Apex just the other day about this. We talked to the guys at. at tangle free about this all the time and and edge everybody wants to be a pro staff for somebody without really understanding what that means it does not mean professional staff it means promotional promotional. staff and i've had i've had guys contact me through our revelation outdoors our waterfowl ministry going. i want to be a pro staff for you okay well what does that Awesome. I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want like, to rain on someone's parade. Give, give, what are your thoughts? Like, what do you, what do you think? And they just have no idea. Yeah. And so if anybody's listening to this, that it, it would help, and I'm not trying to be a smart ass or anything. I'm trying to help people understand what your capabilities are and where those capabilities might align with those companies and fill a niche that they don't have filled now. Absolutely. And so when guys would contact me like at Revelation Outdoors and go, man, we want to be a pro staff for I'm like, that's awesome. So what I need you to do is go witness to your neighbor and tell them about Jesus. And, and uh, you know, let them know what scripture says about what they believe and don't believe. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's, oh, that's just, what I you mean, want
0: me Yeah. I mean, that's that's what a pro staff for us would – that's – Go promote the gospel and yep. you're on our pro staff, dude. It's, you know, but if I could say one thing, to guys that are kind of marketing themselves out, understand what differentiates yourself and understand what the company needs or possibly may need before you approach them, because that's where your capabilities overlaying their needs, that's called value and you need to add value to somebody. Correct. Right, couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, what about Nereite is what a Turkish? Correct. How did we, that, give me the background there.
1: So, Turkey was founded by a by two guys. One, his family is heavy in the industrial. Realm Turkey was over, founded. Yeah. No. The turkey, the company retail was founded. Oh, I got
0: you. I thought they founded the company of no. the country of Turkey on two days. No, no, that would be pretty sweet.
1: <laughs> no, the two founders from Turkey. Um, one of them came from a very industrial background, mm-hmm. um, and the other came from a huge firearm background. Um, his dad was a engineer for guns for years in Turkey. Um, they kind of came together and joined forces and said, "Look, we want to create the next best thing." Um, Not just your standard. Everybody kind of associates a Turk, which if everybody knew really the background of guns and where parts come from, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff comes from Turkey. I don't care what the gun is. I mean, it's just like anything clothing, something's coming from China. I mean, Mm -hmm. Turkey is just such a heavy arms manufacturing country that something from your gun most likely has come from Turkey. Um, So they, you know, they said we don't want to just create another, you know, just another gun that's going to get sold on the shelves let's create the next big brand um, so they found a retail um, their big thing when they first started was air guns blank guns um, and kind of that realm and they saw the special niche in America that if you want to go into the American market it has to be a shotgun it's the easiest going to come into the market with mm-hmm. handguns there's so many rules and regulations with it but a long gun like a shotgun you can get in you can get in quick and they saw that you know the market has been stale for so long it's the same players over and over and over, an overpriced market. And so what they did, did was basically designed a very, very competitive gun to some of the top competitors of ours and came in and with a beautiful, good look and just created this gun that is just top notch in my opinion, and just introduced it into the U.S. market. And it's been in the U.S. market really for two, two and a half years. But oh, really, really? That long? Yeah, but it hasn't really... When they first brought it in, it was the more walnut style, more upland style. And then they kind of brought it in, but wasn't sure how to, you know, produce it out real quick into the market. And so this past season has really been our first
0: full season in the field for hunting. So, right. That's why you got abusive guys like us using them. That's, that's when I, I mean,
1: I got. The crazy thing is everybody's like, oh, well, how'd you get this? How'd you get the name out so fast? And of course I have some friends in the industry that have a great following, but it was just kind of like with you guys. I was like, look, I, here's this new gun. Everybody's skeptical of guns. I was like, abuse it, use it. I don't want you to promote it until you are behind it. I mean, i my good friend, Matt Peel from up here in Maryland. He will wear the dog PP out of anything that he uses. He ain't soft on it. Extremely great hunter. Um, really great dog trainer, well-respected in the industry, literally gave it to him. He's like, man, I don't know. I'll try it. And then sure enough, he's probably one of our biggest advocates to date with the gun. I mean, he he loves the gun.
0: It, it can hang. So it's, it's really cool to see. Well, we're a close second because everybody that I have put it into their hands raves. Number one, the thing that I liked about it, the fit like right out of the box, I'm left eye dominant, yep. but I'm right-handed. Um, so I shoot left-handed, and I've always had issues with, like the Benelli that I shot, and I still shoot, there just seems to be a shim that's missing. Like I need an in-between shim, just because of the way I shoulder the weapon, because of the way my eyes are all jacked up. Um, this thing, when I shouldered it, I closed my eyes, shouldered it, when I opened I was looking right down the bead. I wasn't getting a peripheral of the... The bolt action or anything yep. else from my right eye trying to take over my left or whatever it was, um, but there's some other things that are make it that make it really really attractive. The price is one, yep. right? So you can get that upper end performance without having to pay totally like upper end price. Correct. But talk about some of the other things that because I can talk about it all day. <clears throat> I'd rather you do it because you're the expert on it. So.
1: Yeah. So our two biggest um, features about the gun are one is our inertia system. Everybody that sees it compares it to our competitor and says, it's just like there's, it's not, it's nowhere near it. If you actually get the gun and look at it and feel it, you will notice it immediately. Um, What we did is it's what's called the inertia plus system. So it's it's a inertia-driven gun but it has a spring-loaded rotating head system so that no matter how slow you try to charge the handle and put the shell on the battery it'll always go into battery um some of our competitors in the past you can really mess with somebody in the blind real easy with one yep. of their guns if you just slowly try to o- open it up a little bit and just let it sit your boy will come up try to get on a bird and it's just straight click nothing and in order to fix it, We wouldn't you do that to anybody. No, nobody out there would. You yeah. literally have to discharge and charge another shell. Um, so the Inertia Plus system has eliminated all that. Which momentum. flares
0: birds, by the way.
1: Oh, big time. <laughs> <laughs> so no matter how slow you try to load it, the shell always goes in the battery. Um, if for some strange reason it doesn't, even if you pull the trigger, it'll automatically go into battery. You don't have to shuck the shell. It'll automatically go in and fire. Um the Inertia Plus system is kind of our keystone thing, it's a big selling point, It's it allows us to have the slender feel that guys are liking with the gun. The forend is super slim, it's a well balanced gun, it's not forward leaning, it balances really well in the hand because of our Inertia system, the spring load goes through the stock of the gun, so it's, it allows us to have that slender look. The second biggest thing that people, it's more eye catching and more cool to see is our removable trigger system. So. With your standard gun, everybody knows sometimes you literally have to break the whole gun down to get the trigger assembly out. Sometimes you have to do you have to carry around a nail with you, tap it through your gun, pop out your pins, hope that you don't drop one, especially if you're in the field. Yeah. And then there's so many different mechanisms inside that. With arcs, you literally there right in front of the safety is a little round circle. You can press the circle and pull the trigger assembly up and over, and literally the whole assembly just comes out in one whole piece. No pins, no buttons. And then for cleaning purposes, it makes it super easy. Infield adjustments, super easy. You don't have to worry about losing nothing. Um, Safety of the gun, if you take it home, you can just pull the trigger assembly out and put it right in your safe. Um, There's a lot of pros to it. And then, especially when it comes down to cleaning our guns, like I kind of mentioned, you literally take the end cap off, the forehand slides off, the barrel slides off, and the bolt slides out in one piece. And the gun's broke down in 10 seconds in four pieces. Um, It's very well put together and there's no cheap plastics anywhere in the gun. It's all high-end metals, um, and it's it shows when you actually put your hands on the gun. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Now, one of the things uh, I wanted to find out from you is what, where are you with offering other uh, other chokes? Cause I'm a big Jeb's choke guy, so yep. just wanted to kind of figure out where you guys were on that. If there's been progress on that, or
1: big time progress uh, Good.
0: we he, the issue we're having is we're gonna
1: run our own choke through uh, choke threads for our mm-hmm. guns um, we don't want somebody to buy a package and it says our competitor's name on it we want to make our own brand and that means that if you want to be on board you're going to get on board and you're gonna make it with us um, so Jebs Carlson's kicks anybody who's anybody in the choke tube industry the third party they will they're they're asking us before we even have to ask them I mean they're, they're getting requests daily. Um, so everybody going into next waterfowl season should have a line of our chokes ready for their guns, if not sooner than that. I know Carlson's and Jeb's want them like ASAP for turkey season. So we're sending off some sample stuff so that they can get the threading down there. Everybody feels that they can do it very fast. So, but it is, it's coming. It's definitely coming for next year.
0: Yeah. Now, what is your popular waterfowl model that you see out there right now? So
1: really, we the retail only has right now. It's called the Masai Mara. It's our standard 12 gauge shotgun, three inch. Even mm-hmm. when we introduce the three and halves, it's still going to be considered the Masai Mara. That's going to be our staple gun. Um, the most popular, of course, is depending on who your guy is. I mean, a lot of our camos are what's selling hot right now. But we mm-hmm. don't really have too many models inside of retail. It's just the Masai Mara, and that's going to be our 12
0: gauge. You know, removable trigger system, inertia plus system shotgun. Right. Right. What about some of the wood models that you have? Cause I got to tell you, it, I was looking at the website earlier this morning. Cause I, I knew we were going to be on and man, that's some beautiful weapons, dude.
1: Yeah. The uh, Turkish walnut is well known around the world in the wood industry. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful finished looking wood. Um, it's all stuff that we have there in our warehouse that we mill down and make into our own stocks. It's not, some cheap thing that we get it's you can literally go to our warehouse at our factory and you'll see literally a dry a dry stock where it's just straight wood for all of our manufacturing yeah so this Uh, isn't
0: like bullshit synthetics uh no this is 100 straight up legit walnut yes this is walmart yep full blown um
1: it's it's pretty crazy to see we've been chris owner's been over there once and we kind of want to go back again and kind of video a lot of it so that our consumers can actually see inside of what is retail. I mean, we're not just a garage. It's a huge, beautiful complex. Everything's high end. Everything's new. Um, and kind of give everybody a tour to kind of see like, where does retail come from type of thing? Dryden
0: will so, go over there with you.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he will. It's, it's a, from what I've heard, it's a cool trip. It's a beautiful area. So
0: we'll, uh, we might just have to make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. Now are those, um, are those, models, I mean, can I just, I go on there and order them now? I mean, are they, so you can't, because it's a firearm,
1: you can't just go onto our website and purchase a product. Um, mm-hmm. you can go to like gumbroker.com or a lot of our independent retailers are starting to carry them now. Um, and that is about to grow exponentially this off season going into next year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but so right now I think we have three, um, colors in the walnut available. So we'll have our black, our pure and our bronze um Mm -hmm. and the bronze to me is by far my favorite look oh yeah it's just beautiful 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 with that wood so yeah
0: without a doubt um talk about so the maasai mara that that i shoot right yep uh and or price for that weapon compared to some of the other stuff on the shelf is what so the one that you shoot is our three inch version of the all black synthetic maasai mara it
1: MSRP's, which there's lingo for selling stuff. MSRP's the highest you can sell the gun for, is only eight ninety nine, and you can find them cheaper than that inside of independent retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, where our competitors' um, base models, all black synthetics. I mean, you're looking at thirteen, fourteen easily, right? Just at their base model, right? Uh, and even our new models that will be coming out next year, the camo with the seracote combos. I think they're going to MSRP for 1450, I believe something like that. And that's mm-hmm. where your introductory model for our competitors come in at. And you're getting our fullest high end gun at that point.
0: Right. Now, were you guys at Shot Show?
1: We were. Uh, we showed up at Shot Show. We've been there for the past 2 years. It's probably well, we've only been there for 2 years, but this has been our best year to date. Mm-hmm. Um, had a great turnout, a lot of, you know, companies have come by, a lot of influencers have come by. Field and Stream came by at Range Day, shot the guns, came by the booth, looked at the guns. We they actually did a write up for Shot Show, and we were in the top ten of new gun companies to be released or new guns to be released this year, which we were very oh, proud awesome. of. Um, we've gotten three magazine write ups will be coming out soon um, about our guns because of Shot Show. Um, we gained a lot of attention this past hunting season and going into shot, so it was a really great turnout for us, and we're trying to do. Trying to do a lot more next year, but we'll have to see how that plays out with our booth space and what they're going to give us. So
0: Yeah, now if they need images for those stories, man, I I know a dude. Oh, yeah, I do too.
1: <laughs> great guys.
0: <laughs> oh, I was talking about us. You threw me when you said great guys. Oh, yeah. I was talking about Dryden. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, he's gone. He had a meeting, so he had the bolt. He had uh, the check. Um, what's next on your plate as far as projects or – marketing schedules or like what are you working on right now so right now we're getting
1: ready for turkey season so we're we got some big marketing push coming out with real tree um, going into turkey season and then definitely going to the next waterfowl season um, so we're doing a lot of getting ready for turkey season crazy good thing is we on our end have already sold out of all turkey edition guns that we have which is kind of cool they got swallowed up by, end, by retailers immediately Um, Mm. so it's, it's a good sign for us. I mean, we forecasted low because we weren't sure and it just blew up basically overnight. So now we've sold out of all of our Turkey guns. Um, so we're getting ready for that. Um, getting ready for, you know, of course, once waterfowl season ends, we literally start planning for next year. Um, going from the shows that we're going to be working this summer, just trying to get out there marketing wise, different calling contests, um, and then getting ready for waterfowl season, aligning for early season, summer stuff, dove stuff, upland uh, stuff. So, I mean, we got, we got a lot on our plate right now.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a conversation that we need to have sooner rather than later um, between me, you and Dryden just so we kind of know what you guys are looking for next year. Cause we definitely want to continue that relationship. Oh yeah. We'd love no to. doubt about it.
1: No, we'd love to. That's, that's our plan. We got, we're trying to designate allotment for each of our guys that hit different markets um, via camo. So you guys are definitely in play for y'all's market.
0: Good, good, good. Change gears a little bit. Was your season as terrible as everybody else's? To be honest with you, it wasn't – last year for us
1: was worse than this year. We had we had a little dry spell where it was, it was lights on. I mean, it got cold quick, which is kind of weird for us. And it got warm, which everybody hit. But then the last half, I mean, our numbers this year were better than our numbers from last year, which we're we're such in a good area that, you know, we catch migration pretty fast because if it gets cold in Canada, I mean, we're right up here on the northern eastern shore. They're, mm-hmm. We're going to catch them pretty fast. Um, the ducks showed up pretty heavily. The geese always do well here. Um, you know, the diver ducks, they, they showed up pretty good towards the end. Um, I mean, I – our number wise, we did really well. Um, and people around us, I mean, it wasn't like it used to be, but it was better last year for us.
0: So. Really? Yep. And I feel that, so what, where you, do you hunt a lot of marsh? Do you hunt a lot of timber? I mean, like where you, where you are, I'm not talking about trips that you make, but what is kind of, what's your waterfowl ecosystem like up there? So we hunt, um,
1: no timber you hardly ever see timber up in the northeast we're more of tucked in the banks off of big rivers little fingers off the river stuff like that um offshore blinds Um, if you want to get crazy i didn't do any this year but we do some layout blinds going to shoot all the sea ducks Uh, but you know timber is such a heavy thing in the in the central fly zone Uh, but it's not even in play up here in the northeast at all Um, we don't there may be certain little spots that have it but everybody up here, you're either in a pit in the middle of a field for your Canada's mm-hmm. or you're out on the river in a water blind shooting your ducks. Um, you There's very few public places where you can just go sit up at. I mean, there's, of course, um, management areas where you can do that. And there's some lottery systems where you can do it. But they got to get hammered, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you can just. The days of door knocking in the Northeast are non-existent. Everybody up here, it's. I would say majority of it is signed leases that everybody pays for everybody every year. Uh, yeah, it's a totally different world up here.
0: Yeah, and that's I was talking to um, did a podcast with the guys on Instagram, the Timber Show. Okay, Ryan yep. Barton and those guys. Uh, he shoots retail as well. Yep. He loves it. Oh, we yeah. went on and on about that weapon this morning. As a matter of fact, um, but we were talking about access we kind of started talking about gaining access in Canada and what that looked like. And he said, you know, it's actually easier or it, not easier as easy to get on property in North Dakota, just like it is in Canada. He said, as long as you're not from Minnesota, they'll <laughs> let you hunt. And I'm like, what's the deal with that? You know, but he said, very, very similar. Um, Knocking on doors, asking for permission. They'll tell you, you know, don't leave the gate open. Don't drive through the field. They kind of tell you what they want, what they don't want. And then they ask you if you're from Minnesota. And if the answer is no, check, you're good to go. If the answer is yes, they run you off their property. Like legit. Note to self, don't say you're from Minnesota. Right, right. Don't show up with your Viking shirt on or your, you know, (laughs) whatever. But the same thing down here, like in the southwestern part of the state of Louisiana where I am. You you don't just go knock on doors and ask if you can hunt the rice fields. Those are eight to fifteen thousand dollar per year per pit leases. So there is no and the and the public property is getting so crowded, man. And it's 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 beyond the point of being aggravated. Aggravating. It's to the point of being dangerous. Oh yeah. Where you got a bunch of guys. Number one, they're pissed at each other because they think that everyone's ruining, you know, the next guy next to them is ruining their hunt on purpose and they're armed and they're pissed off and it's just not good. Yeah. And there's this thing, you know, when I hunted the timber in Mississippi, some of the best relationships that I've ever made have been with guys that tried to either set up too close to me or I got there after and they were in a place where I was going to set up. And it's pretty much the only place that hunts. So these guys knew who I was and I knew who they were because we run into each other all the time and some of the best relationships I've made have started with, Hey, well, you know, why don't you got two guys? I got two guys. Why don't we just hunt together instead of, you know, messing each other up yep. and we still hunt together with those guys. And I think if everybody can just take a deep freaking breath for a minute, slow down, stop, um, we'll find out that. We, we don't have to be dicks to each other. I mean, we all want the same thing and you know, don't, don't be so prideful that no, I'm not going to let this guy hunt with me. I'm not, I'm not going to go over there and ask to hunt with that guy. Just check yourself, man. Yep. You know? Oh yeah. But there's no more knocking on doors down here.
1: No, it's, it's starting to be a dying thing. There's so much money involved now that it's, it's going to fade fast.
0: Yeah. So, what are, you, uh, are you a sports guy, like a football guy?
1: I am. I'm not super big on professional sports. I'm a big college guy. Roger that. Um, I feel like they actually play for the right reasons. So, yeah. I mean, I'll watch, of course, professional basketball, football, and baseball, uh, but college football is definitely my thing. Favorite team? Auburn, 100%. War Eagle. Whew. Yeah, man. That's right. A real team. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yep. Big well, I, don't Auburn even know. I don't
0: even know where to go after that, dude. It's all right. Are you LSU? You kidding me? Absolutely. Yeah, no wonder. Okay. Watch yeah. all the images this year. is you're going to have something either subliminal or hidden with LSU football in every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yep. <laughs> Love it. I remember being on campus when LSU came to
1: Auburn and play. man. It was not pretty. It's not pretty when we play you guys, so. It's a good
0: rivalry though. It is. It I didn't really like Tupperville and his cigar on the 50 yard line in Tiger Stadium thing years hey. and years ago. I haven't forgotten that, but oh, Tommy, hey man, you got to forgive got to forgive him. Yeah, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to, but it's just hard. It's uh, just hard. It hurts. How's Auburn look? what 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 kind of team are they going to have this year coming up?
1: Uh I'll tell you what, last year I feel like we played in our Within our means, and we play the right football, and we run the right plays, and not try to get crazy. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to do great this year. I think we got a good recruiting class coming in. Yeah, uh, I, I
0: think we'll be all right.
1: I think we got the right players. We just got to figure out how to, like I said, we start running plays
0: that just drive me nuts. That's not who Auburn football is, but if we oh my to, gosh, man, yeah, look, we, we had to get that, too fancy. Look, what, I mean, it happened to us when when Les Miles was coach. We were playing Auburn. We needed, you know two points to win or a point to win, a field goal wins it, 14 seconds left on the clock, and Miles is pitching it to the back of the end zone. You remember that game? Yep. And I'm like, oh, what do yeah. you – do? every game was just like a heart attack.
1: Yep. That's how I felt this year with Auburn. And then we went to our bowl game and just blew them out of the water and it's just like, where was that team at all year? So. Doesn't that drive you nuts, dude? Oh, yeah. It's crazy.
0: It's it's crazy. I, I just – the and and Miles is a good coach. Don't get me wrong. But it, it was like every game felt like cardiac arrest, dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really, really did. Like, why, why are you – what are you doing?
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. There's times where I think the same thing. I think everybody does. Every coach has their moments.
0: I don't know, man. <laughs> we see, he seemed to have a lot more than any of the others.
1: Oh, well, it's LSU. What does that mean? Gru- Grux Tigers, or what do you guys say? What you're saying?
0: Uh, go Tigers! Oh,
1: okay. Yeah.
0: Well, at least sit up because I can barely hear you.
1: I got friends that are big LSU fans.
0: Well, I mean, so you are the Auburn Tigers, right? Yep. What What the hell's with the War Eagle? I mean, are you a War Eagle or are you a Tiger? What is it?
1: It's the 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 saying is War Eagle, but you know, it's the Auburn Tigers. I don't know. I don't get that part either.
0: All right, but I mean, so now, uh, all right, so I'm not, I'm legitimately confused. Oh, I, I have,
1: I'm not okay. gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not the, that diehard of a Auburn fan. I don't know where the history of it came from. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Uh, well, you started off
0: saying War Eagle, dude, so you have to be. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I know that's what our. I mean, that's how I. All my Auburn friends in the industry, that's how we all. You're a. In our senses
0: together. You're a poser. So you're, we... not an, you're not an Auburn. Oh, fan. here we go. Okay. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, you may think you are. I'm a poser. I am. You're right. Come down here. We'll boil some crawfish in the shadow of Death Valley in Tiger Stadium. You got to admit we eat good, dude. Oh, you got to. Those games. You definitely do eat good.
1: <laughs> definitely
0: tiger stadium is one of the worst i would hate to go there and not be a tiger fan because our fans are just rude it's like philly it philly is fan. it is yeah 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 Yeah. because they're like that too didn't they, they have like a i think new york played there a couple of years ago and they had fights and oh yeah philly's philly's a mess man
1: Die hard, die hard <laughs> fans, but they are a mess up here. Uh,
0: now, you got, um, so you're married, right? Correct.
1: Kiddos or what? Two kids. I have my daughter, uh, London, who's yeah. about to turn six. Wow. And I have my son, Brantley, who just turned five. Yeah,
0: five. Itty-bitty, dude. How long have you been married?
1: Uh, eight years.
0: Yeah so i'm I'm working on year 26 of being Congratulations! Married. yeah and um, three daughters Oof. nineteen, seventeen and thirteen. Ooh, would not try to choose with you. It's uh you know a lot of guys say that, but in in actuality my my daughter's uh, all, all of them. I think some more than others, but all of like their, their bullshit detector never gets turned off. Yeah, that's good. And they, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried, man. <laughs> good. You know, they just assume that if you're, if you're a guy and your mouth's moving, you're lying. <laughs> Raise them right. Yeah. I, that's their, I think that was their mother in them, not me. That's funny. But yeah, man, I wouldn't, I was, I was really, really concerned. Um, when Jordan, my oldest, when we found out that we were having a girl, I was like, oh man, what? You know, because I'm thinking, boys, I'm going to take them hunting and I'm going to take them fishing and I'm going to. Oh, gonna... yeah. Dude, my oldest daughter is a straight up killer.
1: That's what's up. That's awesome. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. I mean, a straight up killer. And, uh, you know, my middle one isn't into it that much, but she's the one like her filter you you'd have to be salesman of the year to get by her she's just stop Not check buying yourself it. Yeah, yeah she's and then my youngest one um you know i think she she's a good mix of both of the two so um where i was really worried about having daughters man it's the coolest thing in the world oh yeah i love it i love having my little baby girl wouldn't
1: trade it for anything.
0: No man, that's the thing. Daddy Daddy will always be number one. Oh yeah. You know?
1: Oh yeah. Now, what does your wife do? She is a personal trainer and uh, co owns a fitness studio up here.
0: No kidding. Yep.
1: Oh yeah. So you so does she work on you? You go work out or what? Actually, yeah. So that's probably some of our favorite Time is what we mm-hmm. like to call it because we don't get too many dates, but we try to at least go to the gym together at least three days a week. Um, so and days where I can make it and she goes down to her studio to teach, I normally try to at least take the kids down and either work out with her while she's doing that or we try to figure something out to spend some time together. But yeah,
0: how did she get into that?
1: Uh, her cousin was really big into it, um, started a fitness studio, she went and worked with her. Wife got engrossed with fitness and eating healthy, did a big competition. Um, it was crazy to watch her body transform to what it did. Um, and really, ever since then, has just been hooked on trying to make herself and other people healthier. So, right, yeah, it's pretty cool, though. She's good at it. She's amazing.
0: That's been a recent focus of mine. Uh, because this time last year, maybe a little bit later, I was legit 295. I mean I was heavy. Yeah. And people said, Well, you know, you're tall. Yeah, but I ain't that damn tall. I mean I'm only six four, right? Yeah. But just got so uncomfortable, man. Yep. I mean, so uncomfortable. Dryden Dryden started on the, the health kick and um so he's about a year almost two years ahead of me on it. Um but I'm catching up to him.
1: Oh yeah. He's looking good. Yeah. Both are looking good. GQ status?
0: Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> but the, the the you know the transformation I have, I got off the check the scale this morning. I was under two forty for the first time, and
1: whoa, good I job! Don't, I don't
0: know how long. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's been some. It's become such a big part of who I am and kind of who I want to be and what's important. I mean, we have, it's going to be a whole segment of the podcast, of so just guys that talk about fitness. And I think it allows you to, it allows you to enjoy not only, you know, duck hunting or hunting in general, but anything that you do it just allows you to enjoy it more if you're not just constantly worn out. Yep, I, I mean, the kind of hunting we do a lot of it is walk in, walk out, pack heavy stuff around and it's hard enough to begin with. I mean, you're worn out enough by the time it's over with, right? Yep. Carrying sacks of decoys all over the plates, stomping through mud, doing whatever it is that you do. I think you enjoy it a little bit better. If you can actually breathe while you're doing it. And if it's not such a, such a burden or a taxing uh, thing on your body, I mean, I'm 50 years old now and I want to, I want to be able to do this until God says you're, you're coming home. Yep. Um, and the best way for me to extend my seasons and my capabilities and everything else is to just eat right, which is really hard in South Louisiana. Um, (laughs) eat right and be in, in decent shape, you know? Yep. And so have you always kind of had that? Much or like, did you when you met your wife, was it like it became kind of important to you?
1: I've tried to stay somewhat healthy. I've always because I played sports so heavily when I was young that working out was just something I did, yeah. Um, and then right out of high school, I became a full time firefighter, so of course, I had to be in shape for that as well.
0: Oh, no kidding. Um,
1: So it was, you know, I've always tried to stay somewhat healthy, I've had my fluctuations, but Mm -hmm. I've always. As soon as I get to a certain point, I'm just like, all right, I'm done. I gotta get back in the gym and start eating better. But, you know, life gets crazy. You get busy. Some stuff starts to slack, but I always find a way back. And she's very quick to get me back. So it's yeah, it's they're good, good at that. Her on my team, yep, they're good at that.
0: What drew you to the firefighting
1: gig? Uh to be honest, I had two guys that was really influential in my life when I lived in Alabama growing up. One, as I mentioned already, was Gary. Another is a guy uh, named Spence uh, Williamson. And, dude, he was, like, big firefighter dude. You know when you're young, you have your guys that you look at. Gary and Spence are my two guys, and he was a firefighter in the town that we lived in. And I always said, like, dude, I'm going to do that. I mean, even when I was little, everybody kind of has, like, their outfits they dress up in. I always dressed up in the firefighter right. one. Um, but growing up in that area and, you know, seeing the guys and being around them as much as I did because I was so close with Spence um, – it just made me want to be like him. So I graduated, went to EMT school, went to firefighting school, became full-time firefighter and worked there for a little while. So
0: it was but you cool. wanted to grow a beard, so you had to quit?
1: Yep, basically. I went to a private school for high school, so I always had to shave. Then went into fire academy, so I always had to shave. And then once I got out of all that, I was like, no more shaving. So,
0: it's Yeah, your beard's tough. getting ridiculous, man.
1: I actually just trimmed it for shot. It was crazy coming out of season. Yeah, I know. And then going to shot show, I was like, "Ah, I gotta clean it up a little bit." And I've got it cleaned again since then. But I, uh, it gets pretty
0: gnarly. Yeah the uh, the Instagram video of you washing your beard in the oh, swamp. Oh, Yeah, oh yeah, doing the little beard whip. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, if anybody hasn't seen that, is that on? Is that on your? Uh, uh, I think so. I don't know. I might have to now that we're doing this. I might have to upload it
1: again tonight, just in case it's not. We were out with Blake Hodge and the Hodge family, um, yeah. and we were slow morning, raining. We were all just delusional because we, we drove. Sounds like my year. Drove nine hours, got in at like 2.30. They were like, we got to meet at 4. Oh, I went, talked
0: to you right before you yep, went on that trip. Yep, yeah,
1: literally hit the timber hole, stood there all morning in the rain with film crew and everything, just dead. And we were walking out, and it's one of those things like, you won't. You won't do it. And I'm the type of guy, if you tell me that, I'm going to do it 99.9% of the time. So they're like, you won't stick your beard down in there and just whip it around. I was like, get your slow motion camera out. And sure enough, that's what we did. I just dipped it down in there. What you didn't see was on the right side, I dipped too far. And dude, I filled my waders with water. It was so (laughs) bad. I was like, dude, what just happened? I was like, oh man, I went too far. yeah if you hunt with the kind
0: of cats that we hunt with they would have waited for you to put your head down close to water and then just body slammed you
1: just straight dunk you. that's what i was waiting on yeah
0: yeah now do you have kind of a core group of guys that you uh, first of all how much time do you have to hunt at home anymore i typically i try
1: to (laughs) i try to be as much involved at home with my family as i can be typically i hunt you know, we don't have Sunday hunting up in the northeast. It's just Saturdays. But typically I at least hunt two days a week. I try to. Right. Um, we always go out on Saturdays. So as I mentioned before, the whole Shore Boys thing, we have a hunting club as well to kinda it helps us afford to be able to get some of the leases so that guys that typically can't go hunt in these areas, we can all go hunt together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we uh, we always hunt on Saturdays when season's in. Sometimes Fridays, weather pending, you know, we'll try to hit up our different water blinds depending on the weather throughout the week, too. But I at least try to hunt at least one to two days a week.
0: So that open water, uh, that's Chesapeake Bay, you said? Correct. Um, what is that like? Because that's got to get, like, super gnarly.
1: It can, if you get out into the big water, it does. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, there's a couple islands out there you can go hunt on that, try to take their little john boats. and I mean, there's unfortunately there's at least one boat that gets sunk and guys die every year that try to make it out to it. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's just yeah, not worth it, man. It's not. And it can get gnarly. Like you said, very, very, very quick up here. I mean, if the tide starts coming out real fast, if the wind
0: picks up real fast, I mean it,
1: it can oh, get no crazy. Doubt.
0: No doubt. I mean, we don't know what tide is down here in Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, a good tide range for us is like a foot and a half yeah. <laughs> in the marsh and it, it takes 12 hours for it to fall out, right? Oh, like yeah. I've noticed on the East coast, man, you can get like six, seven foot tide ranges and they're up and up and down in a matter of hours. Not. days. Yeah. We, we got stuck out here. We almost got stuck in one of our, it
1: was a heavy rain, full moon the night before and low tide was going to come early. What we didn't know is how early it was going to come and literally it went out within 30, 45 minutes I mean the water was gone we had a full mud flat for 20 25- it's like
0: pulling the plug on a bathtub
1: oh it's it's crazy it'll drop and it'll drop fast so you gotta up in the northeast man if you're playing in that area you gotta you gotta watch the
0: tides you gotta know when the water's coming in when the water's going out you've got to yeah. be prepared for it so now, what do you guys do for like boats and uh, or or blinds? I mean, do you have specific blinds that stay out there? Do guys hunt out a boat You hunt on a layout? Boats, some guys. Or? It depends
1: on the areas. Again, I mean, some guys will do layouts in bigger water. Um, some guys. Most of the river blinds are stationary blinds. Um, they're built and they stay there year round. You brush them right. in for the year and then you just hunt out of them. Um, some right. guys will do in some of the public areas. You'll pull your boat up to the bank, brush it in, and hunt out of your boat. But most of it is.
0: Uh, stationary blinds. What kind of water depth are you talking about out there?
1: Uh, Depends on the area. You can go from three, four feet. Sometimes it'll drop to, like I said, a mud flat. And sometimes it's 12, 14, bigger water, like offshore blinds. I mean, it's deep. I mean, it's out in the middle of the channel sometimes. So So
0: offshore floating blinds is what you're talking about. Yes, some of them are. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, are those... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, none of that stuff is leased, right? Is it like first come first serve? How does that work? So you have, depends on the area. I think if you own the property, you get so
1: many, um, you get the property on the water and out to certain a certain extent.
0: Um, and that's, it's all leased at that point. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So there's nothing like out in federal waters where no one owns anything. Not really. I mean, you can do the
1: layout boat hunting that style. But when it comes to blinds out there no, no,
0: normally not. Yeah. That layout boat hunt, just like when they hand you a sponge and say, here's your bilge pump. Oh yeah. And your little milk jug and you kind of got to fish it out as you're going. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's a whole different kind of crazy oh, yeah, for it's me. Fun. It's fun. But of course you get people that come and hunt the timber right? That have never done it. And they're like, holy shit, we're going to die because these guys, we're going to hit a tree or something. Yeah. We're going to shoot across each
1: other real fast.
0: Yeah. Yep. Now what, uh, what kind of birds are you guys harvesting offshore like that?
1: Uh, again, depends on the area. Most of the time you can get your mallards, your black ducks. Um, if you go into layout boats, that's when you can start shooting your more sea ducks, um, your scoters, stuff like that. Um, on the bigger water blinds, that's when you get into your divers, your cans, your blue bills, um, the standard diver stuff that you can get in those areas. Sometimes redheads will come through occasionally depending on the area In our area. It's not as bad. Our big things are blue bills and cans canvas backs.
0: Yeah. Which the canvas back is something I have not, I have yet to kill. Come on up. We'll put you on the King. I need to do that. Yep. You do. You know where they are? Oh, yeah. You know how to Always. kill them? Oh,
1: yeah. Come on up. We'll put you on them. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a few birds like blacks. I've never killed a black. We really? shoot model ducks in the marsh, but that's not the same. That's not the same thing. Guys will kill model ducks down here and say, I killed a black mallard. No, you didn't. <laughs> no. Nah. Not the same thing. Um, Brant course, never kill one of them and canvas backs, which there used to be a lake, uh, Catahoula Lake in Jonesville, Louisiana, where for whatever reason, they would just, I mean, that was a canvas back, but, uh, really no other place in the state. Now I'm going to say that and start getting emails. Well, we killed a canvas back seven years ago. I'm talking <laughs> about like consistently legit go out to shoot cans. And that's one of those places where, you know, it's public property, yep. quote unquote. But <clears throat> the blinds, you want, you get in somebody else's blind. It's, that's one of those times where I'm talking about, there's weapons and these guys are nuts. Oh, yeah. And you just, you don't do it. You don't do it. I mean, they'll have blinds burnt down and then, Fist fights and people shooting each other and everything else. I'm like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> you can have it. Yeah, you can have it, man. Yep. But that was the only place that I really remember canvasbacks being killed consistently in Louisiana. And like I said, I'm sure somebody will email me and remind me of why I of shouldn't be doing this podcast because I don't know that they killed a canvasback in Wax Lake five years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. You know. Loved. Yeah, do you get to fish any during the, the summer or you you like to fish too? I do. I just typically don't
1: have time for it. That's my yeah. time to try to catch up with the family because I'm so busy throughout the fall and winter with traveling right. for different things. So we try to do go to the beach a lot. I do enjoy fishing. I have a lot of friends that fish. I just haven't gotten yeah. out as much as what I like. So, But I try to get my family time in when I can.
0: Are you uh, are you going to get down to Louisiana or close to Louisiana anytime soon that you know of not that i know of no what's up with that man i know
1: i need to make my way down
0: yeah well i mean crawfish are getting ready to open up so there you go oh i can't wait for i just i can't wait it's been we didn't boil many crawfish last year um for whatever reason i mean i think the price was a little high on them we just didn't have the opportunity because i will usually have a good boil once every week to 10 days. and gotcha. You ever had boiled crawfish?
1: Uh, I So I used to eat them a good bit when I lived in Alabama. And for some reason I... No, I mean them.
0: real ones. No,
1: I, like. I, that's down there pretty close to Louisiana. <laughs> I developed a shellfish allergy within the past seven years.
0: Oh, does so, that suck?
1: Yeah, it's bad. So, I mean, I'm up in Maryland where crabs are amazing yeah. and i can't even eat them right now so i'm trying to figure out what's going on with that but yes i have had them i used to love doing big crawfish boils um i just can't have them anymore now for some weird reason mm. yeah
0: and it just, you just like developed it
1: yeah it's they i literally see crab meat crawfish. All God, kind of shrimp, everything shrimp, yeah. for, for forever. And then I moved to Maryland. I, there was like a year where I didn't have it for for a while. I moved up here and had some like something with crab in it, and I I just flared up. And I was like, oh, well, maybe it was a spice in it. Then I had a crab cake. Again, flared up. And I tried a couple of different crab things. And they were like, no, you have a shellfish allergy. And I was just like, oh.
0: Man. Yeah, but how do you just get – I mean, I, I'm not doubting you. I'm just wondering how do you just – One day you don't have it, and then the next day you have it. Correct. They say you can develop
1: allergies with your age. 100%. Really? Yes. Yep. So, it's I guess that makes sense. I don't know, man. Body
0: changes. Yeah. But that's just like a weird thing to... um, Like, I could see where pollen never bothered me, but now... I'm getting older and my body's, maybe it's my immune system doesn't, maybe I always had it, but my immune system is not, um, as, as efficient or effective as it used to be. So you, you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe it's one of those things that you always had. Yep. Um, so, and now you're just, uh, now your body's just now fighting it off or not, not fighting it off. So. What um? What did we miss, man? Did we did we? I don't think we missed anything. Because uh, no, man, there's a lot of shit that we didn't talk. I about. I'm about to say we yeah. could talk. We could sit here and talk for hours. That's the idea. Hours. So we will. Um, if people want to reach out to you or learn more about what we talked about, throw out some of the. Some yep. of your contact digits or Instagram handles or whatever you want people to know. I'm going to put them in the show notes anyway, but um, yeah. Call them so out there.
1: if you want to follow Rita, um you can go onto Instagram. Um, our Facebook, we haven't been as heavy on. But we're about to change that. We're about to start bumping the presence up on that a little bit more. But uh, Rite USA. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get a hold of me for some weird reason, I'm no one special, but I'm Brian underscore weight. Uh, I think you're special. Oh, thank you, Joey. Thank you um and then of course our website retailusa.com um if you have any questions info at retailusa.com um and we're we're pretty responsive on social media Uh, so typically if people ask a question or have anything they want to say we typically respond within that day typically so
0: good well man i appreciate you jumping on with us um i'm gonna get you to hang on for a couple of seconds but um want to have you on again. we got some time to go in maybe some more details just of whatever it is that we want to feel like talking Sweet. about at the time. Would love to. There it goes, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Waite, Retay Arms, Retay USA. Super solid dude with an awesome looking beard. Check him out. So that concludes our show. We, we are glad you guys could join us. Uh, we want to thank Brian for making so much time to come in, talk to us uh, about all the really super cool things that uh... retail has going on with their new shotguns i'm telling you guys take a few minutes go to their website look at some of the not only what they have released but what they have coming up uh... just a really really beautiful line of shotguns so we wanna we want to thank brian for uh... not only spending time with us today coming and talking to us today but just also the the partnership uh... we just have really really enjoyed working with those guys and we are so thankful uh, to be, uh, to be partnered up with them. We also want to thank today's show sponsor, Tangle Free, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. You don't want to mess around with stuff that is going to make your, your hunt less enjoyable. Gear that you have to screw around with. Gear that you have to worry about if it's going to fail. Guys, quality matters. Quality makes the limited time that you have spent a field, makes it more enjoyable. So take a couple of minutes. Go over to TangleFree.com. Don't mess around with anything else. We use them. We love them. So you should too. And until next time, this is the No Limits Waterfall Podcast signing off. And we will see you guys soon.